Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. A reminder, if you've not already, be sure and enter our giveaway. Go to giveaway.greatdetectives.net for your chance to win G. Washington Coffee Sherlock Holmes editions, as well as our upcoming uh, t-shirt release. And now a very special announcement that those who follow us on social media will probably be aware of, but The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio is a finalist in the podcast awards. Thank you to everyone who nominated the podcast at podcastawards.com. I really appreciate your support. You've helped the program gain some recognition, and you've also given us a chance to hopefully pick up a few more listeners, so I really appreciate that. Now, in years past, there were be a uh, round where anybody could vote every day in the podcast awards. And they're not doing it this time. So that's kind of a good news, bad news thing. The good news is we can't have a sort of rallying the listeners and everybody uh, going to podcastawards.com. The good part of that is that process was a bit exhausting. Voting every day is hard, and to be honest, I missed a few days, and it was my podcast. So, we don't have a whole lot to do. Now, there is going to be a random sample of listeners who nominated podcast selected. So, I would encourage you, if you are selected, to go and cast your vote. And the ballot needs to have a minimum of five different podcasts on it. And I appreciate that can be a challenge if you don't have someone in mind in every category. I will suggest the Malicious Life podcast, which was actually a past sponsor about five years ago, I think, five or six years ago. So they would be worth checking out, but I do understand that can be time-consuming. Regardless, if you do get a ballot, your vote would be appreciated. But right now, I'm just really grateful that everyone made this possible by nominating us and getting us to be a final list in both the best uh, male-hosted podcast and best entertainment podcast category. So again, regardless of what happens from here, I really appreciate your support. Well, now let's get into this week's episode of Philo Vance, the original air date, July 12th, 1949, and the title is The One Cent Murder Case. for the machines at this booth. Pennies. Get chains here, folks. I beg your pardon, but where do I find Joe Baker, please? Boss, in back in his office if he's in. Thank you. Get your pennies. Oh, Mama, buy me that. Wow. Who wants to look at those pictures of the machines? I want to look at that. <laughs> Brother, you said I wonder how many pennies that'd cost if you put it in a machine, huh? Pigs. <laughs> 
Well, Dale, come in. Come in. To what do I owe this unexpected pleasure? Sit down, Dale. Sit down. I'll stand, Al, and I'll tell you why I'm here. I'm going to Hollywood, Al. Yes, so I heard. I was very glad to hear about the break you got, Dale. Very glad. You don't know how glad. I was getting a little tired of this penny-ante-penny arcade I'm running. Mm, You haven't changed a bit, Al. I was hoping you would. That's why I came down here to see you. All right. How much is it going to cost to keep your mouth shut? About what I know about you? Yes. Well, Dale, darling, I haven't decided yet. I'm not sure. I am the talkative type, you know. (laughs) How well, I know. Al, I can't leave myself open to blackmail by you for the rest of my life. Honey, honey, you brought up the whole matter of blackmail. I didn't. Of course, if after you become a big star, you uh, happen to mail me a couple of grand every so often, I wouldn't squawk. In fact, I'd be practically speechless. You know what I mean. I know. I'm sorry to say. Al, I can't go out to Hollywood with you hanging over my head, and I don't have the money to buy you off. I thought maybe if I came down here today, you'd be willing to forget what you know about me. But I see that was a mistake. Offhand, I'd say it was. Well, that means that something's got to be done about you, Al. And I know just the guy who can do it. Tell me I can't get in to see Philo Vance. I've got to get in his private office. I'm sorry, I'll have to announce you. Get out of the way, young lady. I'm going through that door and you're not going to stop me. Out of the way. You're not going but... in there. You can't just break in on Mr. Vance that way. I tell you, I tell you, I'm going to. What's going on here? Mr. Vance, this girl insisted on going right into your office. I told her she'd have to wait until... I don't have to wait until anything, Vance. I've got to talk to you. Well, I guess there isn't anything I can do, but listen, is there? Come in, miss, if you please. Thanks. Sorry I caused a disturbance, Vance, but I'm upset. You rather upset my office assistant, I noticed. Must be catching. Please sit down. Thanks, Vance. I'm Dale Leslie. I'm supposed to sign a contract and leave for Hollywood next week, only there are complications, and I'd like to hire you to straighten them out. I'm at your service. Okay, Vance. A fellow named Al Baker owns the Penny Arcade on South Street. Yes, A couple of years ago, before I broke into show business, I did something I'm not very proud of. He knows about it. He'll bleed me for life if I make good in pictures. You want me to see him? Well, that wouldn't do any good. I've seen him. What I want you to do is to see a man named Davy Rowland. He's my manager. He's also in love with me, and he's a little on the tough side. You told him about Baker? That's right, and he didn't like it. He took a burn. He said he'd get Baker. Maybe that's what I wanted him to say, but... What I really wanted was for him to throw a scare into Baker. Now I'm afraid what's going to happen. In other words, you want to hire me to prevent your Mr. Rowland from doing anything that might be regretted by you and him. Not to mention by Al Baker, Vance. You see, now I had to get in here to see you. I didn't dare take a chance of being turned away. I understand. Paradoxical, of course, you're wanting me to keep Mr. Rowland away from Al Baker when you'd so much rather see Mr. Baker dead. Get 
Get your pennies here. Can't see the pictures without the pennies. Get your pennies here. Well, mister, what's with you? You're blocking the booth. You want change or you just want to attract attention? I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was in the way. My name is Markham. I'm the district attorney. I was supposed to meet a Mr. Baker who called me, and I don't Hello, see... Markham. I'm Baker. Oh? Heard you talking to Pop here. Come on back into my office, will you? Certainly. You told me on the telephone that Philo Vance had phoned you. That's right. A few minutes before I called you. As I understand it, he's been engaged by a Miss Dale Leslie to keep her manager, David Rowland, away from you. So he said. But I asked him if he was coming down here, and he said no. He's not? I thought he'd be here to see you. One of the reasons I came down. Look, D.A., I didn't call you to come down here because I wanted you and Vance to say hello to each other. Come on in. Right. I want you to tell that Roland to lay off of me. He's a kind of a rugged character, and he's got a yen for Dale Leslie a mile long. No telling what he might do to me to show that dame how tough he is. Sit down, will you? Uh, what do you want me to do, Mr. Baker? Supply you with police protection? What am I, a sissy? I don't want any cops hanging around. I won't need them if you'll call up this Roland guy and tell him you know he's out after me. That'll keep him away. All right. Uh, you uh, like these pennies on my desk? <laughs> I keep my souvenirs. There isn't much to like or dislike about pennies. Yeah. Mr. Baker, the stuff came you ordered. I brought it here. Where do you want me to put it? Just put the package on the desk. Okay. It's a little heavy. Oh, allow me. Oh, it ain't that heavy, but thanks anyhow. Well, you got it, Mr. Baker. Bricks? There. Okay, Maisie, that's all. Out? Out. Out. See you later, boss. That's some stuff I bought for this office, Mark. Wait a minute. Well, you know, I want to see if it's all here. <laughs> Ah, here's the bell. Never forget to send a bell, do I? No, they don't. Fountain mm-hmm. pen desk set. Do you like it, Markham? Yes, it's very nice. Decorative and useful. I like it very much. How about this blotter here? The corners, genuine leather. You see where it says uh, genuine leather? Yes, of course. Mr. Baker, would you mind letting the rest of whatever's in that package stay there until you and I have finished our conversation? I'm in a bit of a hurry. Oh, sure, sure. That's okay. Just want you to see this stuff, that's all. Hey, are you going to call that Davy Rowland for me and tell him what you said you were going to? Yes, I will. Thanks, Markham. Thanks a million. So long, and uh, take care of yourself. That, Mr. Baker, is a rather strange thing for you to be telling me. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Kraft. I could be Dale calling now. One way to tell, and that's to answer it, my boy, don't you think? <laughs> sure. Hello? Davy? Yeah, where are you, Dale? Mr. Kraft is up here in your apartment waiting for you. Oh, I'm calling from downstairs, Davy. Just wanted to be sure he was there so I'd know what kind of an entrance to make. Well, make a quick one. See you in a minute. Bye. That was Dale, all right. She was downstairs. She'll be up in a minute. That's fine. Mr. Kraft, you're making no mistake in signing that girl. Believe me, you weren't. She's got what it takes. She's alive, tough enough to tease the men and soft enough to please the dames. We'll see about that, Mr. Rowland. Right now, I'm very anxious to close this matter so that I can get back to the coast. Matter of minutes now, Mr. Kraft, a matter of minutes. I see you put the clause we wanted in the contract. Yes, we increase her salary every six months if we pick up her option at the end of the first period. Good, then everything's set. Mr. Kraft, Dale is down to earth. She's real. The people are going to love her. Every mother will think oh, she's her... Mr. Kraft, what a pleasant surprise. Kill it, cutie. I told him you called from downstairs. Oh. Well, I've just been shopping. It's been so weary. And the shops on the avenue aren't at all. Look, they... Dale, uh... Mr. Kraft is a busy guy. He's got to leave town. There are your contracts on the table. He's signed them and I've seen them. 
Write your name on both of them, will you? Now. Oh, well, all right, but there's really no need to rush. There really is, Miss Leslie. I'm going back to California. I have several things to do before my plane leaves. Here's a pen, Dale. Make with a name. Why, of course, Davy, darling. That's one. That's the other. There you are, Mr. Kraft. Thank you very much. Forgive me for rushing, but I really have to leave. You'll hear directly from the studio, Miss Leslie, as soon as I get back. Well, thanks a lot, Mr. Kraft. I tell you, you haven't made a mistake. Thank you for your assurance. Goodbye, and best of luck to you, Miss Leslie. Oh, I'll take you to the door. Thank you for what you've done, Mr. Kraft. There's only some way I could show you. Mr. Uh, Kraft is in a hurry. Oh, oh, that's right. Uh, goodbye, Mr. Kraft, and thanks again. You're welcome, and goodbye. Well, Dale, we did it. Oh, we sure did. Oh. Now I can be myself. Look, Dave, we got the contract, and now we've got to be careful. You've got to promise to lay off that Al Baker. It could be a little late for you to tell me that now. Oh, Davy, you didn't... Relax, everything's under control. Only the district attorney called me and said that Baker was screaming about what he thought I'd do to him. Well, never mind that. What did Philo Vance say to you? Vance? I didn't talk to him. Huh? What's he got to do with this? Vance didn't call? Well, there was no place he could call me. I was here for the past couple of hours waiting for you. The D.A. got me here when he called to find out from you what my phone number was. What about this Vance business? What's he want from me? Well, I asked him to talk to you, to make sure you wouldn't do anything to Baker. I knew that you know how smart Vance is, and you wouldn't take a chance on doing anything if he was around. You're smart. You're a genius. What? You're the most stupid dame that ever walked. You told Vance about you and Baker and me? Well, I had to. Don't you see, I'd rather take a chance of having Baker talk than be mixed up in a murder story. So no matter what happens to Baker, I'm the fall guy. What? Dale, I could kick that pretty face of yours all over this joint. I don't know what stops oh, me. Davy. Except I love you. Some reason. Well, get out of here. Get out of my apartment. Get out or I'll call the cops and have you thrown out. I'm not kidding, Davy. Get out, I said. Get away from that phone. You getting out? All right, dope. Prize dope. Most stupid dame that ever lived. I'll get out. But you don't know what you're letting yourself in for. Yourself and me both. Pennies, get your pennies right here. Change your dimes, nickels and quarters. Get your pennies here. Oh, excuse me, sir. My name's Markham. I had an appointment with a tall gentleman wearing a Hamburg hat. He was supposed to meet me here. Have you seen him? Mister, I don't see anything but pennies. Pennies and people. Only I don't see the faces, only the hands. Been doing this for ten years. Bet I can tell what a fellow looks like from his hands. Thank you. I doubt very much whether Vance would ask you for change. Hello, Markham. How are you? Sorry I'm late. It's all right, Vance. Just a minute after two o'clock. Glad you got here. Pennies, get your pennies here. Change your dime, nickels and quarters. Right Interesting-looking man, isn't he, Markham? Yes, he is. Okay, Pop. Lunchtime for you. I'll take okay. over. Thanks, Maisie. I'll be back in an hour. Okay. Well, Markham, it seems that you and I are working Penny. on this case together. Although we were brought in it by parties on different sides of the fence. As I explained on the phone, Vance, I'm not really in it. All I did was warn Mr. Davy Rowland that Al Baker has appealed to us. Mr. Rowland said he'd be here at 2 o'clock. He hasn't shown as yet. It took me several hours to reach him on the phone. I have an idea that if we get him and Baker together, we can straighten everything out amicably. I imagine so. I wonder what it is that Baker knows about Dale Leslie. Oh, that shouldn't be hard to find out. In fact, I'm pretty sure I know what it is. If I'm not mistaken... <laughs> Markham, that was a shot. Yes. It came from that room back there. That's Baker's office. Everybody stay exactly where you are. Don't move. Please, nobody leave this place. Come on, Vance. I'm on the way, Markham. So this was Baker's office back here. That's right. 
I was there this morning talking to him. Come on, Vance. Right. Come on in. Right. Well, that's our friend Baker, all right. With a bullet in his head. Hmm. Slumped over his desk. His hands are practically touching that new desk pen set he was so proud of. His head knocked over this desk clock when he slumped. Poor fellow. Yeah. Well, I'll get Sergeant Heath of Homicide up here at once, Vance. There's a back door to this office, so there's no point in trying to chase whoever shot Baker. Whoever it is was out the back door the minute he fired Markham. Well, my friend, we've got a murder case. And a pretty complicated one, I imagine. Yeah. What's this on the floor, Vance? Hmm? There's a penny. Yeah, it's probably fell from Baker's desk. Probably. Well, Markham, we have a murder case, and you've just given it a name. <laughs> This is District Attorney Markham. The one-cent murder case began with the finding of the body of Al Baker, shot as Vance and I were in his penny arcade. We know that Baker had some information about Dale Leslie and that Miss Leslie feared blackmail inasmuch as she was about to start a movie contract. We know, too, that her manager, Davy Rowland, was in love with her and had threatened Baker. And I have found something very interesting about a man known as Pop who made change for the customers at Baker's Arcade. I'm about to tell what I found out to a group of reporters waiting in my office. They are very... Good afternoon, gentlemen. All right, now, quiet down, please. I won't waste your time. You want to know what developments the police have made on the one-cent murder case? That's right, T.A. What's going on? Well, we've made no arrests as yet. We're holding a man named George Dobbs, known at Baker's Arcade as Pop, the changemaker. What's with him? Well, Sergeant Heath and I questioned him after the murder. He says he was out to lunch, but we found that he hadn't been to any restaurant in the neighborhood. Now, under questioning, he broke down and admitted that he was the former owner of the arcade. Hey, fellas, fellas, I think the T.A.'s got Now, just, just a moment, please, gentlemen, just a moment, please. We've made no charge as yet, but we have made Pop change his story a little. Now, he says, he didn't go to any restaurant, but was just walking around at the time of the murder. No alibi, eh? Now, what about your friend Vance, Markham? What's he found out? Vance? I don't know. He left immediately after the murder. I think he went to see Miss Dale Leslie. But please, don't print that, boys. And I'll give you any details as soon as I get them. That suits us. Right, fellas? All right, boys. Thank you very much. That's all I can tell you right now. Good enough. Okay, boys, I'll write a community headline for all of us. Here it is. Police expect early arrest in one cent murder case. Let's go, gang. All right. All right, I did it. You want to know why, don't you? Well, I could tell you why, but I won't. I'll tell you this much, though. He deserved to die. And if I hadn't killed him, it wouldn't have made any difference. Somebody else would have. But I didn't wait for that somebody. Can you understand that? I did it because I wanted to be the one who shot him. I wanted it known that I wiped him off the face of this earth. I wanted everybody to know I did it. What's most important is I wanted to know that I killed him. Now. Do what you want with me. It doesn't matter much what it is. In fact, it doesn't matter at all. Would you put on the lights, please, Mr. Kraft? Yes, of course, ma'am. Thank you. 
Well, Miss Leslie, a very good piece of emoting. Thanks, Mr. Vance. It's the screen test we made here a couple of weeks ago. We shipped a print to the coast. They told me to sign a write-up. Which you did, I understand. That's right. I'm really sorry I had to ask you to cancel your plane trip to Hollywood, Mr. Kraft. But it's quite urgent I talk to you. And I did want to see what kind of an actress Miss Leslie was, though... Thanks for arranging this screening. Well, the screening wasn't any trouble. Holding me here in New York is upsetting my plans a lot, Vance. I won't keep you here any longer than is absolutely necessary. Well, why are you keeping Mr. Kraft here at all, Vance? He had nothing to do with Al Baker's shooting. Of course I didn't. I never knew the man. I had no reason to want him dead. Perhaps you never knew him, Mr. Kraft. That's possible. But I wouldn't say you had no reason. For example, perhaps you thought you had a potential star on your hands in Miss Leslie star that could make a fortune for your company. You wouldn't want anything to interfere with her career. Anything like what Mr. Baker might have had to say about her. You think I'd kill Baker for that? Vance, that isn't very logical. Murder so rarely is, Mr. Kraft. Now, before I ask you this next question, I'd like to warn you. It's the seemingly innocuous question. The one which a murderer has no reason to lie about, but often does. That in many cases traps a killer. Now, were you ever at any time in Baker's Penny Arcade? Well, uh, no. All right, if that's the way you want it. You were there, Miss Leslie? Well, of course, yesterday morning when I went to talk to Al. What time yesterday morning? 10.30. You're sure of the time? Positive. You're not wearing a watch? I wasn't then either, but I know it was 10 o'clock when I left my apartment. It was 10.25 when I got out of a cab... And 10.30 on Baker's desk clock while I was there. That gives me a pretty good reason for knowing what time it was. Yes, it does. You didn't go back there in the afternoon about two? Oh, now, Vance. Just asking, that's all. And what did you find out by all these questions, Vance? Now that, Mr. Kraft, would be telling. <laughs> Miss Leslie, please excuse my dropping in on you at your apartment. This is not exactly an official visit. <laughs> well, Mr. Markham, I'm certainly glad of that. I had quite a little semi-official visit with your friend Philo Vance about an hour ago, and I'm officially a little tired. Vance seems very interested in the Hollywood scout, Mr. Kraft. And I'm very interested in ducking all this unpleasant publicity. I can understand that. Miss Leslie, Vance and I are working independently on this case, which is a little unusual, but I think we can get better results that way. That's why I came up here. Uh-huh. To see if you knew where David Rowland is. We haven't been able to find him, you know. Davy? Why, he... Oh, sit still, Mr. Markham. I'll go to the door. Whoever it is, please don't be long. I'm quite anxious to get going on this case. All right, Mr. Markham. Yes? You're Dale Leslie, I know. I'm Pop. I work down at Baker's Penny Arcade. I gotta come and talk to... Why so surprised at seeing me, Pop? You were in my office all morning. Miss Leslie, I'll see you some other time. Goodbye. Well, now what in the world was that? I don't know. But I know what Vance would think. He'd think Pop might have come up with the idea of blackmailing you, and when he saw me, he changed his mind in a hurry. Blackmailing me? Well, how could he do that? Well, supposing he saw you around the arcade about the time of the murder. He could threaten to tell that to the police, couldn't he? Miss Leslie, you're not in a very favorable spot, believe me. But I'll worry about Pop later. Right now, I want to know where David Rowland, your manager, might be. Well, he might be almost anywhere, but... <laughs> it so happens that he's with your friend, Philo Vance. Philo Vance. 
Close the door, will you please, Mr. Rowland? Noise isn't very conducive to concentration. I sure, Vance. Up to now, I was a manager. Now I'm a door closer. You're also a murder suspect. Yes, yes, I know. You're only missing one thing, aren't you, Vance? Proof. You've got your whole story and no proof. Unfortunate, isn't it? You know who just called on the telephone, don't you? Well, sure, I got he is. It was the D.A., Markham. That's right. He's bringing Miss Leslie down here. And he'll have old Pop and the Hollywood talent scout, Mr. Kraft, with him when he comes. Well, let's push the rugs back. We'll have a party. All right. Mr. Rowland, I found something very interesting in Mr. Baker's desk. <laughs> Lucky you. Oh, not curious? I didn't say that. In that case, I'll tell you what I found. It was a bill for several articles that Baker purchased the day he was killed. He bought a fountain pen desk set, a clock, a blotter, and that paper knife on the table. Hmm? Setting up housekeeping, I guess, huh? No. But he was supplying us with proof of the identity of his murderer. What? Sit down, Mr. Rowland. You, uh, really know who killed Baker Vance? You wouldn't bet I didn't know, would you? No. Only you're not going to be able to tell anybody that you know, Vance. I'm going to see to that right now. They told me you were tough, Mr. Rowland. Let's see. Ow! Mr. Rowland, you really were a tough character, weren't you? But not tough enough. Vance, I'm sorry that... Davy! What happened here? Mr. Rowland objected to my knowing the identity of Mr. Baker's killer, Mark. This is a little silly, this whole thing, Vance. I've got to get back to the coast. Do you now, Mr. Kraft? Well, I won't keep you long. Oh, Markham... You know Mr. Davy Rowland had no alibi for the time of the murder, don't you? I realize that, Vance. But you must have found out something else. And when you did, apparently he tried to get you. Well, Davy was just the guy who would try, I guarantee that. He tried all right. As soon as he knew that I knew who killed Al Baker, he tried desperately. Well, you can't blame him. He was fighting for his life, wasn't he? No, Miss Leslie. He was fighting for yours. You murdered Al Baker. <laughs> I think so, young lady. You're the assistant cashier at this arcade, aren't you? Oh, I'm everything around here. But now that Pop's the new boss, at least I get paid some real dough. Hey, Mr. Vance, I read in the papers where this gal, Dale Leslie, confessed after you accused her of killing Baker. But it didn't say why she did it. Your former employer knew that she'd served a jail sentence at one time. That was the reason. Oh. And the paper said how she tried to throw the heat on that manager of hers. She's a kind of a rat, I guess. Huh? Well, considering the fact that he tried to kill me to prevent my revealing that she was the killer, I'm inclined to agree with you. Yeah. Hey, would you want to tell me how you knew she did the job? Certainly. Miss Leslie admitted that she had been in Mr. Baker's office the morning of his murder, but denied that she'd come back later. There was a back entrance to Baker's office, and that's how she got in and out. Well, I get that so far. Well, she said she was positive she was here at 10.30 in the morning because she saw the time on Baker's desk clock. But the desk clock wasn't delivered until noon. Hey, that's right. I brought it in there myself. Yes, I know. 
Well, when Miss Leslie started to talk about a desk clock that wasn't delivered until hours after she was here, the morning of the murder, I knew that she had come back. Well, sure. How could she know about the clock? That is exactly it. And if she lied about coming back to Baker's office, it could only be for one reason. To hide the fact that she killed Baker. Oh, I see now. Gee, thanks, Mr. Vance. Now I can go relieve Pop for lunch and be happy. I gotta go begin to hand out those pennies again. Go ahead. Begin to hand out the pennies right at the end of the one-cent murder case. Welcome back. Well, I wonder how much that murder case would cost today. Now, of course, there is the CPI, which I've used, but, you know, different goods have their own inflation rates over the years, and not everything goes up in price at the same rate. So how much did murder cases go up? In all seriousness, though, this was an interesting episode. The, you know, they always try to find uh, unique ways to communicate information on the case. And this episode with Markham holding a press conference in which he revealed intimate details of what different witnesses were saying in the midst of an ongoing murder case illustrates why prosecutors don't comment on ongoing investigations where they're not ready to charge anybody. I mean, my legal education stopped with completing uh, paralegal training, and even I am very uncomfortable with that scene. And also, I was, for a few months, a professional journalist. And even though my education was not extensive, I know that there was no community headline pool. Reporters don't write headlines. They have people at the newspaper who write headlines. And in fact, uh, you know, back during the first half of the 20th century, the ability to write a compelling headline could really sway uh, readers put at a newsstand as to which paper they end up buying. So you would never have that uh, as something that a pre guy at a press conference would say, okay, this is the headline. 
uh, that we're all going with. I mean, even stories that go out on a wire service, they've got different headlines. When they transition to, you know, local newspapers or, you know, in these days to websites. You know, I, I've had the experience when I've been looking into a news story to see are there different angles and I see, oh, that different headline. Maybe they've got a new slant. And it's like, no, this is the same wire story you've already thread three times, but with a different headline. Although it should be said that you do occasionally have pool reports where one reporter will cover something or write a story and it will be shared among several different news organizations, even outside the wire service. But that's not something that would happen, you know, for a DA's press conference in 1949 when you have a room full of reporters. Because none of those reporters are being paid to write each other's stories. They are in competition. And wouldn't be like, okay, let's all agree this is what this news is. No, 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 no. That That's not how the news business worked back then. I much prefer the end where you have Philo Vance explaining key points, not to Markham, but to some random person who didn't play a big part in the story at all. I like the idea, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be somebody even related to the story. I like the idea that Vance, you know, wanders over town, you know, goes about his business, and somebody will say, hey, how did you solve that murder case? And he just explains it like to a random grocer or somebody in a barber shop. I guess that even adds a little bit of a touch of realism in that famous people, as Vance is supposed to be famous, you know, often get asked questions about their work, you know, whether it is uh, starring in movies or solving murders. Well, listener comments and feedback now, and we have a comment from YouTube regarding the Mr. Chameleon uh, episode, The Day's Girl Murder Case. And TW writes, um, that girl didn't come across as days to me. Seems she just said the truth. Oh, how timely. Well, thanks so much, TW. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, I think she came into Mr. Chameleon's office seeming to be a bit confused and disquieted. And, you know, spoilers for those who haven't listened to that episode, which is several weeks old by now. Uh, so, slight warning. But, uh, essentially, she was uh, in that state because of a systematic uh, effort to drive her out of her mind and make her doubt her senses. Today, we would call uh, what she was going through gaslighting. Although, of course, the film Gaslight, uh, you know, from which the term comes, had been released in this time, and who knows, it may even have been an inspiration for the script in this case. Thanks so much for the comment, TW. Now let's go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to David, Patreon supporter since September of 2017, currently supporting us at the Seamus level of $4 or more per month. Again, thanks so much for your support, David. And that will actually do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. All those great things that help the channel grow. Next Tuesday, we're going to be bringing you This Is O'Shea. Of course, next Thursday, we'll be back with another episode of Philo Vance. 
But coming up tomorrow, join us for an adventure with that man with the action-packed expense account. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, where... Looks like Harvey was murdered while trying to sell his car. How do you figure that? And he'd been running a classified ad in one of the evening papers for the last couple of nights. Uh, here's a copy of it. Thanks. For sale, 53 Cadillac convertible, perfect condition, all accessories reasonable. How does this tie in? Well, according to one of the mechanics in the garage where Harvey kept his car, he met a prospective buyer there last night. He heard him discussing the car, and then Harvey and the man got in and drove off. That was about five to seven. The mechanic give you a description? Yeah, pretty detailed one. Didn't catch his name, though. Ziegler's checking over the mug books right now. That's the mechanic's name? Yeah, Will Ziegler. So far, he's drawn a blank. Anyway, at 8.37 last night, we clocked in a call from a truck driver phoning from a pay station out on Mannheim Road. He'd found Harvey in a snowbank. He was shot to death, huh? Yeah, three bullet wounds, two slugs still in him, third one's missing, thirty-eight caliber. The land and groove marks are clean enough to identify the gun if we ever find it. What about the car? It's missing. Put out an APB with a description of the man and the general pickup on the car. No luck so far. Well, how do you see it, Lieutenant? Well, my guess is somebody figured out a cheap way to get himself a good automobile. Well, that's it, Dollar. Looks pretty routine from here on in. Nothing much you can do to help. No, maybe not, Lieutenant, but I'd like to stick around. Well, sure. Nothing else you can probably... No, excuse me. Lieutenant Franchetti. Ah, uh, yes, Sergeant. No, oh, good. Uh, the address again? Uh, yeah, I got it. Thanks. Uh, would you like to take a ride, Dollar? Where to? Mannheim Road. They just found Harvey's car. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.